The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two awesome co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Harninger. Woo! Yay! Welcome back, Nate. <laughs> welcome back, Nate. Yes, thank you. It's good to be back. Unlike the uh, name of this game, I am not dead. I am here. I'm alive. I had a, a good break from kind of everything work, the, the podcast, uh, to... Uh, C2, the birth of my second child, and uh, and spend the first like month or so really getting to spend time with, with her and with Molly and, and our other daughter. And uh, But it's good to be back. I've been missing talking to you guys and talking about video games. So I've certainly still been playing games. Don't worry about that. Uh, a lot of a lot of late nights just sitting with a with a uh, little potato that just wants to sleep and eat. But uh I uh, haven't been talking about it as much, so this is good. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. And this week we are talking about I Am Dead, the latest game from Hollow Ponds, which is the developer of Wilmot's Warehouse and Hohokam. Uh, we've never played either of those on the show, although I know we've talked about Wilmot's Warehouse just a little bit occasionally. And it's published by Annapurna, uh, which is, I think, honestly, why we sort of jumped on playing this. Uh, Annapurna, as a publisher, has been sort of all all uh, all hits, no misses for us, for the most part. I think we saw yeah. a voiceover narration in Annapurna, and we're like, cool. Recipe. Put on the list. Two, two key ingredients to a short game. I also... so. You know, I, I never, whenever, unless I'm actively involved in selection of the game, I, I look up nothing. So when I saw the name I Am Dead, it's October, I was thinking, all right, spooky game time. Spooky. We are we are traditionally terrible at doing spooky games during the month of October. We like to really shoot for spring, early summer for <laughs> Valentine's uh, Day, yes. And uh <laughs> Uh, while the while the name uh, nailed it, this is definitely a spooky name. Uh, we did not play a spooky game right now for October. This is this is maybe uh, the opposite of a spooky game. Yeah, it's it's a ghost game, but it's definitely not spooky. The ghosts are all folksy and charming. So (laughs) yeah, this is the uh, game equivalent of the media I've been consuming in the pandemic. It's very British. (laughs) This is, this is like the fifth thing in a row. And I'm going to talk about it in, uh, during, if we do, uh, making me happy, but this is like the fifth thing in a row that has been almost exclusively British that I have been, that I've interacted with. There's just, there's something going on right now where all we want to interact with is British things. And uh, hey, here we are again. That's cool. Whatever, man. Yeah, let's <laughs> bring it up. Uh, so, yeah, this one is a weird one for me because I think we need to kind of I don't want to bury the lead. I think I should probably say that, like, this isn't a game that I super enjoyed, although I have a lot of things that I feel positively about it. It's kind of a weird uh, feeling for me. I I love everything about this game except for its core mechanic, which is a pretty major <laughs> thing to talk about. But I think we need to set this up, but I didn't, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like uh, heap praise on it until the last 10 minutes and then start trashing or anything. Um, this is a, is a weird one. Um, so, Laura, could you kind of set it up for us a little bit? Yeah. So um, quick note for someone who's like, why are you talking about a game you didn't like? So this is a game we're all mixed on. If we don't like a game, if no one's like a champion for it, or we don't have a lot of things to talk about, we just don't cover it. So don't take this as like a pan. Um, Really, the thing that we uh, discovered is, so if you watch the trailer for this game, you see the narration, you you get this like um, island, lighthouse, British seaside place and it's it seems like a very charming game and it is but this game also is a hidden object game and it's a bit of an i spy find the thing game and if you don't like that mechanic there's still stuff for you you're just going to be a lot more mixed on the game if you like that mechanic congratulations this is your jam yeah and this was probably one of the best uh find an item games i've played i just I'm terrible at find item games, point and click adventure games. I'm terrible at find small items on a screen game. I'm terrible at 
I loved how this game approached it, but uh, I this was a little bit not entirely my jam, but I'm glad that we're talking about it. Yeah, and, and we'll get to this, but like it, it definitely um, did things that I've never seen in a game that's sort of based on like object hunt or find the item type of mechanics. You know, it, it, it did several things to make that much more interesting to me than I found it in the past. Um, but it's it still had some of the pitfalls that I have run into with that kind of game before. And it's a genre that I've mostly sort of written off as not my thing. The game doesn't really wear it on its sleeve that that's what this is. You know, the description on Steam and elsewhere is that it's a charming puzzle adventure game. Um, and it is an adventure game in that you are, you know, progressing through a, a sort of country or not country, sort of like a seaside island uh, English town uh, full of colorful characters and and odd situations. Um, and it has a lot of a sort of like adventure game point and click DNA. Um, but the way that it plays is really unique and in some ways pretty darn interesting. Um, so to, to back up for the, the setup a little bit, you play as Morris Lupton, who recently passed away. Uh, you know, the game begins with a, a, a walk on the beach where Morris is, uh, is you know, walking through his beloved seaside town of Shelmerston, or rather along the beach of the island of Shelmerston. Uh, and sort of uh, recollecting his his uh, life as the museum curator, uh, the sort of local museum curator who keeps the history of the island. Uh, and then towards the end of his monologue, he sort of remembers to himself, oh, yes, that's because I am dead. And uh, that's sort of how we begin this game. Your setup is that you are uh, you are a ghost uh, not exactly haunting the island of Shelmerston, but sort of there with a purpose. Yeah, you really love Shelmerston. And this is, you know, the you have a memorial bench because you used to run the museum. And uh, your first thing you do is you find your dog, Sparky, by finding uh, the you know, your little dog, Sparky's dog tag. Um, and you reveal this by showing off this like supernatural x-ray mechanic. So you can hit, uh, I put on the switch, you can hit one of the um, uh, top toggles and you can zoom in and like peel layers off objects. And so you peel layers off the urn for your dog, see the dog tag. And when you look at that, poof, your dog Sparky pops out. And turns out that uh, you are not only a ghost, but you are supposed to save your island that you love um, because the volcano is going to erupt if it doesn't get a new spirit to live in it, basically. So it's it's tying in this like hidden object, find the thing mechanic to uh, conversations. It's trying to say you find an object that becomes a person, that becomes a memory, that becomes something that you can talk to. It's, it's an interesting twist on the hidden object thing. Um, but this is what we meant by there's a lot of hidden objects because you have to keep finding things to make up a person. Yeah, so hidden object games as a genre tend to be extremely bare bones and simple. You, uh, I, I haven't played a ton of these, but what I have played generally aren't super strong on story. There's usually no you know spoken dialogue, for example. And also you're usually just given sort of a, a single image or sort of diorama to look at. It's usually 2D. Um, these tend to be sort of, uh, like a, uh, like a low cost casual game genre for the most part. Um, and usually you're just sort of tasked with finding objects that are hard to see, but they're in, uh, in an image of a room or something like that. Um, here you're given an entire sort of 3d diorama. Um, and rather than just given a list of items to find, um, it starts with people. Always you start by clicking on people in the scene who have some memory of a particular dead person from the island. So um, the reason for that, of course, is that you're trying to find somebody to replace the ghost of the island that's that's sort of protecting people by hanging out in the, the custodian. volcano. The custodian, thank you. Um, so you find you you go into an area where you think they're this one of these prospects, these ghosts are. You click on various people who remember them. You view the memories of that person as they relate to this the the deceased person um it's like a kaleidoscope <clears throat> spinning it's kind of a cool little 
matchup. Yeah, and but let's yeah. talk about the mechanic of that in a minute, but we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and once you sort of viewed this memory, all of them are these nice little stories. I quite liked them. In each one, there's an object that sort of is a is a totem of that person, something from their life that's important. And uh, in every case, that object happens to be lying around somewhere in the area. Um, but in many cases, it's hidden in a in a clever or interesting way. So sometimes they're literally just lying out on a countertop or something, but usually they're disguised in a way that makes them hard to spot. Sometimes they're inside of things. And uh, usually it's in places that you might expect if you sort of thought laterally about it, uh, not like totally completely hidden. Um, but these things can sometimes be buried inside of objects or inside of containers or down underneath things um, so that you have to use your sort of ghostly x-ray vision to find them. Uh, so a lot of the times the, the uh, so, so a lot of that is about clicking on a, a scene and zooming into it, clicking on an object within that scene and zooming into that. And as you zoom in on objects, you get these very cool cross-section views of these objects that you're looking at. So for example, you might click on something like a computer and as you zoom into it, you see beneath the surface, this sort of cross section of the computer with all of its circus circuit boards, which have little 3d capacitors on them, that sort of stuff. Lots of detail really it peels away. Mm-hmm. Everything sort of peels away and dissolves almost as you dig into it. It's a, it's a pretty cool mechanic and, and allows for a lot of surprise and delight in the game. Uh, on, on switch, you actually have a little, you know, you're playing with joy con. So you actually have like a little circle and almost everything on the screen is selectable. So mm-hmm. the main mechanic of this game is sort of maneuvering. If you're, I assume on a computer, you just are using your mouse yeah. uh, on switch. You're actually, you know, using the joystick to to maneuver this little icon, and you're just constantly picking things up and dissecting them, zooming through and, and dissolving them to see what's inside of them and see if it's going to help you find the thing that you need to find. Or you're going into the head of someone to see their memories to understand what are the things that you need to find. Yeah, and my favorite thing about this uh, layer mechanic is it's as if you're taking a knife and you're slicing like diagonal slices off of something yeah. and, and you can rotate the object and that peel away will rotate too. So you can rotate to the top and the bottom will have been sliced off. And so it's a really interesting way to, to do this reveal mechanic because you can see very different things depending on how you rotate the object. I think that's like the big idea of this game. It is. Yeah. That's an interesting point because it, you are controlling if in your mind you're thinking that this is like a cut scene you like pick up a box and press a button and it like peels away it's not, it's not you like actually, an exploder or anything no you're you're holding a button to peel away the layers and you can start and stop it at any point it reminded me a lot of like if you've played especially early 3D games where the the camera control may not have been perfect and you could kind of intentionally <laughs> clip yeah. the camera inside of objects and usually all that you saw when you did that was uh you know nothing or the backside of the textures of the inside of somebody's head or something but occasionally you'd see yeah. something weird like the back of the rendered eyeballs or something like that you know you see some weird shapes inside of things and that was always kind of a fun thing to do even if it was unintentional but here you can sort of clip inside of almost anything and there are little secrets the developer has hidden for you inside of tons of things in this in this world. And sometimes that's stuff like, like obvious stuff. Like I want to clip inside of a cabinet and see what's in there. Or other times it's, uh, it's less obvious stuff. I want to clip inside of, uh, of a creature and see its organs or I'm going to look inside a diving bell, uh, a diving helmet and, Oh, there's a skull in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my very favorite, I hope this isn't too much of a, uh, of a, a, a spoiler of a, of a good bit or anything, but at one point in, I think it was level two, I found an, a newspaper that said something about an escaped octopus. And then in level, I think four, I clipped inside of a, uh, of a, a water tower and inside of it was the escaped octopus whose name was slippery Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything, um, whatever you put your cursor over, uh, if it's an interactable object, which again, like I'd say more things are interactable than not. There are some things that are not interactable, but the ma- majority of stuff is it gets a little highlight. And then in the bottom left of the screen will be its name and maybe even like a full description 
Uh, Laura, you said uh, before we started recording, you know, a little bit of Katamari uh, in this, and, and that I I hadn't thought about that till you said that, and it's right. There's just like it's a world full of stuff, and uh, you you can kind of get silly names for what this stuff is. Yeah. And, and more than names, often like whole stories, like, you know, you, you see these little dioramas of people sort of living their lives. It's lightly animated. You're not really seeing people like going on trips or anything here, but all of them are like doing something. And, you know, they have a little animation cycle to kind of show them, you know, living their lives in the world. And you can click on them and see, uh, you know, the backstory of almost any, per- literally, there's dozens and dozens of people in some of these scenes, and every one of them has a name. Some of them have backstories and little stories about what they're doing or what their plans are. And all of them are funny and really, really worth checking out. Yeah, my headcanon for this is, I mean, you're playing someone who ran the museum of the town. So I feel like he's just like, he knows, he just knows yeah. everybody and he knows all the objects. And since he's a ghost... All he's been doing is cataloging things elsewhere. Like that's what I think he's been doing for fun. Mm-hmm. He's just keeping an eye on Shelmerston, man. I, I love that yeah. about it. I, that that so overall, the thing that like is the most successful for me about this game is the world is really rich and dense with with objects and interesting objects, like objects that are worth clicking on to see their description, worth clipping inside of to see if there's anything weird or interesting hidden in there, like. Just exploring this world and looking at objects was extraordinarily fun to do. And that's the most fun thing about it. Um, no hidden object game I've ever uh, ever played really even, you know, had anything remotely like that. That huge success. But, like, obviously, yeah. if you're going to have a game here, there has to be, like, a game reason that I need to explore all of these spaces. Uh, this the the spaces are a joy to explore on their own, just at whatever pace you feel like, and just you know clicking around, clicking on stuff, and and like trying to learn about the town. Um, but obviously, if it's going to be a game, there needs to be like you know a checklist of some kind, right? So every one of these levels has this set of objects that you need to find. And where the game kind of stopped being fun for me was when I maybe this is me, but like, that's something where like, when, when I was just able to find these things, no problem. Like click on, you know, Oh, I need to find the, the, what's a, whatchamacallit. Great. I'll look around. There's the, whatchamacallit. No problem. When there was no friction with that, it was fine. When there was even the tiniest bit of friction with that. And I know this is, you know, it's going to sound like get good Reagan, but like when there's even the tiniest bit of friction with like, where is this object? I've looked all over for it. I've been looking for 30 minutes. I've looked under everything. I've looked inside of everything. There's absolutely no fun to get stuck in this game. It's no fun to lose your keys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are two other things the game wants you to be doing in parallel with um, finding the object. And they want that to be kind of like the fun thing you're doing between finding the objects. Uh, the only time I felt really mad was um, occasionally um, the same person will have multiple memories and you have to find the first object to unlock the second memory and there's no clue about it. Mm. Mm. So I had the same same problem, Reagan. Now, I, I started this out by saying that like identifying small objects on a screen is like already the thing that I'm the worst at. Uh, so this game is not, I'm not set up for success in this game. Uh, so I have to acknowledge that, but I had the same problem as you did where it's like, you know, I get a task to find a thing and I just couldn't find it. And all of a sudden this charming, fun, lighthearted, delightful game just became kind of like annoying. And it's just like, I want to get to the next like charming story. Yeah. Um, and, and so much so that I got like stuck enough that I didn't really want to spend time just exploring the town because I knew I was going to get stuck on something and i wanted to make sure that like the time i was spending on the game and the and the effort that i was putting into it was towards the objectives of the game and so i i did i didn't feel incentivized to explore this really wonderful world i was mostly like okay what's the next person i need to go into what's the next item i need to find because i'm probably going to get stuck and i'm going to spend 20 minutes trying to find it i'd rather get through it yeah, you want to be making like, progress this. Yeah. Well, well there's only five memories per level and the 
the the levels, the worlds, the, the areas, the town you're exploring get richer and richer. Uh, and there are two other things the game has you try to do to to encourage you to keep looking around. And those are um, finding Grinkins. Grinkins. Which, which if you, if we covered this in the Apple Design Awards, there's a game called Shadowmatic, which is where you shine a flashlight on an object and you rotated it to make a shape. It's basically that, but with the cutouts. Yeah. So you're trying to angle the cutouts to make a shape, but you don't know which object yeah. is going to make that shape. This was a weird one. I liked this mechanic in theory. Like the the whole idea of like, in, obviously like this game has this sort of uh, like uh, clipping through objects, uh, you know, cross section thing. It's part of its design already. And this was just another way to play with that, you know, finding an object. So you have a, you have a picture of what does the cross section, you have a picture of a cross section sort of usually tends to look like an abstract, abstract set of blobs. Right. And you have to be looking for in this area, what is an object that if I cross sectioned it in a particular arrangement, I would end up with a shape that looks like this set of blobs. It's a cool idea. And, but it's tied, it's tied in as a, as a sort of a collectible. And I'm very allergic to collectibles, um, particularly when I'm trying to, you know, play through a game for this show. I, you know, usually when I see even, even a mechanic like that, that I think, hmm, that's clever. I like that. Even when I was like, oh, I know it would be this object. I still kind of didn't want to do it because I was like, you know, it'll take me, it'll take me 10 minutes to figure out how to arrange this, I don't know, bunch of bananas so that all of the bunches are arranged in exactly this particular way. And it was, it was a little too fiddly. I just, I, I skipped it every time. Yeah. I just it, wanted them to incentivize it better. Cause the, incent- the, the, the theory is, is it like they're little spirits that are lucky and they're like, they're lucky. You really should you want get them. more of these. You want them. And I was like, no. I did one and a half. I did the first one when it's in, when it is introduced and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I went to another one and I could not get it to line up the way that the thing wanted it to. And I don't know how it handles it on computer, but on switch, it actually has haptic feedback. It's actually vibrating as very vibrating. Yeah. Yeah. As you get closer to the ideal lineup. But even with that, I I could not get it. So I bailed on it and I was like, if you sit still, like if you get close and it starts vibrating and you just take your hands off the control, it will slowly glide into place. Yeah. I noticed that too. Um, Um, I could, I, I, sometimes I I could get it to do that and sometimes I couldn't. And it was, I seemed completely mysterious to me. What, like I, when I'd have it, I'd be like, Oh, it must be close. It looks almost identical to the thing. Right. And then it just wouldn't click. Right. Uh, Yeah. For on switch, it's, if it starts buzzing at like, softly you're close and if you click a little bit it'll buzz harder and if you stop at that point it will drift Mm. into clicking in place so maybe it's easier on switch i've been thinking about this game and like where why this was frustrating and and i you know what i think they could have done because this world is so fun and 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 uh, you want to explore it but the game incentivizes something else i wish that this game was more like a uh sort of a um a normal hidden item game and they ha- they'd have to find a way to wrap the story back into it. But give me like almost like go- untitled goose game where there's like mm-hmm. a list of like 10 things to find and, you know, still wrap the story into it, but let me like have to find them anywhere in the world and sort of tie it to the world and, and discover the world instead of having they like give you markers on what part of the world you're supposed to look at. Here's it. Yeah, I, so I, I I agree and I disagree, but I want to I want to mention something here. You just reminded me of something very important that also like really harmed the experience for me very early. The game never actually tells you, but there's a certain of a sort of unwritten rule in the game that you can see that every area is divided up into these sort of chunks because when you click on a chunk, it isolates it into a little like floating diorama, um, and whenever you get one of these memories that leads you to an object that you're supposed to hunt for, the object is always in the chunk where the person having the memory is, you know, they're always standing within like 10 feet of the object that they just happen to be thinking about. There's no plot reason for that. It's not like they just dropped it or anything. It's just that they happen to be standing around thinking about an object from their distant past sometimes. And that object is like buried four feet away from them. I, I don't think right. it's they. Ha- I don't think it's they happen to, to. To be fair, I don't think it's they happen to be thinking about that thing at that moment. It's that that person has memories that are or or animal because they're like you 
there's like a fox and stuff that <laughs> that's has true. Uh, that they have memories about this individual person and an item, and you go in and 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 pull them out. Sure, but like sometimes there's no reason for them to be like happen to be standing. Like you know, somebody's thinking oh, about sure, a sure. Uh, a, yeah. a time when they they uh, hit. Uh, cricket balls into the ocean 10 years ago. And as it happens, they're standing next to a bunch of barnacles at the center of which are the uh, one of oh, those cricket, cricket balls. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think to me, I, I really wanted uh, like a flip where I kind of would have liked to explore the area. Once I explored a certain amount, then like someone walked into the space and had a memory triggered by the space. And then I found that out. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to kind of, explore a little bit before I like, so you trigger the Grimkins after you've like done a certain amount of work in the space. I, I kind of wanted to trigger the task list a certain amount. Into the yeah. Space instead. It, it, it's, there's, there's no hint system. Like if you get stuck, you know, if there is an yeah. object that you just, just simply can't find, then you have absolutely no recourse apart from just like sitting there stuck for potentially hours. And it really kills the, the momentum of the story. One note for you, Reagan, though, I think so uh, on on the left hand side of the screen, you get as you uncover what items you need to find, you see sort of a there's a little image of them, Mm. uh, little circles with an image of what you're trying to find. When you are in the sort of diorama that that item exists in, the item is highlighted. Yes. So So, I, I noticed that on level three. So <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, okay. So it does tell you, yeah, I was going to say like, it does there, it does tell you if you're in the space where the item is at, but it never, the game never tells you, Hey, this thing will be highlighted. I actually had to like, but it's also, and you also learn it's where the memory is. Right. 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 So there's a couple of places in this game where I ran into really big show stopping, like moments that really killed the fun for me. Um, you know, very, in the very first level, there's, uh, there's, a uh, a number of puzzles. I'm still sort of figuring out like, okay, how does all this work? It helps at least that the, the first level is pretty small. It's this one building, a, a lighthouse, and you can go to different floors. Um, but it, at that point, it wasn't clear to me at all that like I was supposed to be hunting only on the specific floor. And so I was hunting all, all over the place for those items. And it just took a really, really long time before I started finding them. Um, the worst one, and I don't feel bad about spoiling this because I am I 100% wish I had just been told this. There's a uh, there's a, a sculpture park level, one of the best levels in the game. Honestly, it's like a really beautiful uh, seaside sculpture park, full of interesting people and sculptures and objects and so on. Um, and one of the items that you're supposed to find in this sculpture park is a nose of a sculpture. So there's a memory in which somebody chips the nose off of a marble sculpture. Uh, and this, this nose is somewhere in the sculpture park. Uh, there's two things really coming against you in this case. One is that the sculpture park also happens to be the home of a lot of birds, all of whom have eggs. So there are tons and tons of objects in this, in this world that look a lot like that marble nose to the point where I, I spent a really long time just looking through every single nest to see if any of the if, and clicking on every egg to see if any of those eggs were it. If you don't know that it's not in that area, yeah, right, hundred percent. There's tons of stuff that look like noses elsewhere in that. Even level. even in that same area, there were quite a few. Uh, there were some eggs around there, and then the other thing was that where it actually was hidden was inside of a bush. Which, like the in the memory, there's a, a image of her of the person who chipped the nose off the sculpture, throwing it. And I don't know if maybe it was just me, but it really looked to me like she was throwing it into the sea. So I thought, oh, okay, it could be anywhere, you know. Um, and I was trying to like right. see if I could figure out, like, oh, was there is there any piece of beach that might be near here or anything like that that I could get to? It was in this bush, not too far away from the sculpture. So there's that. But the bush, you had to zoom in on it, like. 15 times. times. Yeah. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> and like you click on the bush and inside of it is more bush. And there was no real obvious indication like, Oh, well, if I click on that again, I can zoom into more, more bush. Like how many times am I supposed to intuit that I'm supposed to zoom in on this bush before I realize there's a thing inside, like literally seven, like, uh, yeah. And again, I think that's something that the switch made a little easier because it, you, you have a really obvious highlight. Yeah. There's a highlight on the, on the PC version too, but like when I'm hunting through an entire sculpture park and I'm trying to like, mm-hmm. I, I, I must've not moused over it to realize that there was a highlight on the interior part of the bush. You know, I just thought like yeah. I zoom in the bush, there's nothing inside this bush, just like every other bush, you know? 
Yeah. It, and that, that made, I mean, I know you can probably hear it in my voice. That made me mad. I was really mad when I, so first of all, I, I wasted literally an hour on this in a game that overall should probably be like under five. And, um, and when I found out the solution, I was mad. I was just like, this was, this was really, really poorly done. And there were other places in the game that were like that, but to a lesser degree, uh, every time that like I was looking for an object and couldn't find it, it, it ruined the experience for me. And that's not good because like, this is a game about finding hidden objects. Of course, I'm supposed to be spending some time not knowing where the objects are. That's part of the experience of playing a hidden object game, right? I'm looking for the objects. So like, maybe this is just me, or there are definitely going to be people out there for whom like the experience of hunting for objects in whimsical and fascinating surroundings is the draw. And good for them. But like, for me, I reached a point where I realized as a part of playing this, that like, this is a mechanic that I hate. This is a central mechanic (laughs) that just doesn't work for me at all. And it might for others, but you know. I think one of the differences is because it has this peel away mechanic, it is very possible to look in a place and do the peel away and not find the object. Yeah. Um, And I think that the, the delight of this game is discovering what happens when you peel away the object. Like what's like you peel away and you know, Oh, that's what a jam sandwich looks like when you peel. Right. That's what a sousaphone looks like when you peel it off or layer by layer. And if you've already looked in the sousaphone and you come like you, you check that off your list. Like it, it's a hidden object game where it's not obvious if you've already looked somewhere because you you might have just rotated it wrong. Like it, it, it's it's that that makes it a little harder. And 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 the experience of peeling back the layers of or looking inside of things is fun. It's a really fun uh, physical thing to do. Um, it's just tying that into the into the hidden object mechanic didn't quite work for me. Um, like I enjoyed looking at looking inside of people's luggage and looking inside of people's pockets and looking inside of people and all of that stuff is is fun. Like. I, I I love the experience of looking inside of things and and learning story details by snooping inside of things. It, it, as a story delivery mechanism, it's great. As a puzzle mechanic, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You wanted to be a detective, not finding objects. <laughs> and I think Reagan needs to be clear here. He has been arrested at an airport before for going through people's <laughs> luggage. So there was, looking inside of pockets is really what they got me for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he discovered the mechanic of this game, he was like, finally, a game for me. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it just, you know, didn't 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 quench the thirst that is undying inside of him. Uh, quick side note on the other thing. So it's not just Grimkins and like finding objects that you're supposed to do. There's also a third um, semi incentivized thing to do. Uh, and that is um, there is a little fox maybe spirit called mr wistable that shows up laughing and will like there's always like a yoga poster with a bunch of positions on it or like a newspaper with a bunch of like or a map with a bunch of roots marked on it and when you find it that little like cackling guy's like i got riddles you gotta find the things that match the names the riddles so this is this is amazing to me because like I played this entire game and never encountered Mr. Wistable. So uh, yeah, give me an example. Either. Like, where are you clicking on to find this weird yeah. fox demon? So, so I, thought I that actually, was crazy. I thought, like, I momentarily thought this may be, like, tied to the Grimkins. Grim- Grimkins. Yes, Grinkins stuff. Grim-kins. But no, I hadn't actually solved a single Grinkin when I got Mr. Wistable. So I, uh, I like was mousing around and I heard like weird phantom laughter and I was like, Oh, this must be what the Grinkins are. <laughs> and I clicked on the yoga poster in the lighthouse and this weird, like Fox dude comes up and the dog hates him. The dog, <laughs> uh, Sparky is like, uh, this idiot. We don't have time for this idiot. Um, and he's like, I got riddles. You got to, you should solve my riddles. Um, and he's like, you need to find the, solve the riddles for what matches these things. And so it's all yoga posters. So it's like a downward dog or like un, uh, what was the one? It was like a surprise spider or like, um, you know, they're all kind of like yoga pose names. 
That's so and funny. Then, I, I I didn't find it either, Reagan. And then so. he's like, you got to solve my riddles and find the objects that match these. So at first, I was like, wander around the lighthouse. Like, what could be conceived as a downward dog? Oh, is it this plant? Is this like, do I have to read all the story lore? And then I got real mad because they're not riddles. They're just find the hidden object. <laughs> so the, <laughs> like, so what is called like hungry caterpillar? So again, I'm looking for all these things like what could be a metaphorical hungry caterpillar? No, if you zoom in on the lettuce, there's a caterpillar. Oh. <laughs> and so then you go back up to the yoga poster and you're like, I can find the hungry caterpillar. And you go reveal that. And he like laughs and is like, you found one of my riddles. And I was like, <laughs> That's not technically a not a That's riddle, not sir. Riddles are. <laughs> 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 That's not what riddles are. And I was so, I, I got so excited that there was like, metaphorical riddles and then it was this game does not understand it has angered the puzzle god uh laura laura will not have this misclassification (laughs) but i was so excited solve this riddle i have four legs a tail i bark and i am a dog that's a riddle (laughs) (laughs) but a riddle is not unexpected spider and then you like look in a boot and there's a spider at the bottom That That is is the definition of an unexpected spider. (laughs) Anyway, it made, I got very mad at them, but I still saw like four of these. And then he showed up later in levels and I was like, you're not going to give me riddles. I'm not going to solve you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that again speaks there in the incentive, incentivization in this game is just off. Like I never felt compelled to do anything that the game offered when, the, the what well, we've already said the best part of this game is the world and it's in its cool environment but i never felt compelled to explore it because i was like constantly like okay where's this where's this little thing that's going to be like kind of a trick it's going to be buried in something that you kind of think it makes sense that it's there once you find it but until then like yeah i i when the game was most fun was when I would get lucky and find the item really fast and get to go to the next sort of story beat because the the writing is good, the voice acting is good. Uh, I did definitely find myself at times just sort of like skipping forward and reading rather than waiting for the mm-hmm. the all of the voice acting to go through. But I think that's just how I play games. Mm-hmm. I, I listened to all of it because I, I really was charmed by the the voices. They have wonderful accents. They're just they're just really cute. Just to recap, so all of this finding of these objects and like looking and finding them is like once you find all five objects, then you can summon that they like combine together the, the power of capitalism and our identification with the objects that make us <laughs> yes. bond together. And then you're a dog for a second and you can hit the bark button as much as you want. <laughs> you bark. That's an A plus mechanic right there. Honestly, that should have been it the is. core mechanic of the game. Bark, <laughs> yeah, click, just- click to bark. You turn into Sparky and you bark at ghosts. Yeah, you just fly in a circle and bark. You know, okay, I've done that for days. I I think we've kind of covered the key stuff, but like, what what really what really surprised me about this game? I sort of touched on this, but I, I what I what I keep coming back to is that like, it's astonishing to me to run into a game that like, honestly, I liked. I'd give this like a, I mean, I'm not a scores guy, but like I'd give this like a good six or seven out of 10, despite really hating its central mechanic. And so it just really speaks to like how incredible the like story and world and characters of this game are that just like, I, I, I really felt compelled to finish it, even though I hated playing it. Like it's such a weird conflict, uh, conflicting thing for me. I feel like you gotta get rid of like, all of your need to move forward in the game to like this game. Yeah. Like you just want to also they're like, so the funny thing about this riddle dude is your dog's like, you don't have time for this. You don't have time for this. And then like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And then it's, and then she's like, you should go find another 14 grim. Games. You know what I really want out of this is like, I want this game delete the puzzle, the, the, the core mechanic. And I want, I want to be tasked with figuring out the story of all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I don't yeah. want to find their junk. I want to find out what their deal is. Right. And, and that kept me going through the entire Maybe game. You use it to try to persuade them because I, like they, you show up and you talk to these ghosts and their mind is made up and you move on. Like I would love to have been like, well, you're a rebel. Why don't you like part of the, you can like 
make the island edgier. Like I would have loved to use what I learned about these people to try to persuade them. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been a cool. Yeah, way, yeah. Like, like I, and I'm I'm not gonna like sit here and like backseat game design. I I just yeah. know that like this core mechanic. Um, while I certainly see how they arrived at it, and I can certainly see it working for some pers- people, it's just like so poorly serves the incredible world that they've built here and the incredible technical detail here too. Like it, the the like clipping into objects mechanic here is like n- not an easy thing to pull off. Like they they did an incredible right. amount of work to not only three D model everything, but figure out okay, well, what does this three D model look like when you dive within it? You know, and and just just incredible technical and artistic work going on here absolutely failed by its core mechanic. The change I would make is the memories are so rich and lovely. They have multiple objects in them. I wish that you could watch a memory and find an object associated with it. Mm, I see what you mean. Stop, stop putting me in the direction. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like some sort of list, some sort of like, Maybe yeah. it's a richer memory and you get more, like you get, you get a richer yeah. bonus if you find all three parts of the memory, but like any one of them would do like, that's what yeah, I would and, like. And for God's sake, take the nose out of the bush. Well, for example, you could have found the camel, you could have found the nose, you could have found the chisel, you could have found yeah, the I did like, find the chisel, but I clicked on it and that wasn't it, right? Like the, the chisel is yeah, there. I think, uh, I think that's what I was getting at earlier, Laura. It, let me discover items instead of look for a specific item. And I think that would have changed the game entirely. Yeah, and it would require a very, very different game design here. Like, I don't, I don't know how you yeah. accomplish. Like, I agree with you, Nate. I, I, I also I don't, don't think, know how that gets accomplished. I don't know either. But, and, yeah. and that's why I'm saying, like, if you find any object associated with the memory, it'll just take that frustration off. And if you want to be a completist, you find the chisel and you find the nose and you find the camel. But like, right, that's, right. that's the change. I would that might work. And, and maybe people would have said that nerfs. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a nerf on the puzzle difficulty. If you want to call these puzzles, <laughs> uh, I really wouldn't have. And, and some of them were easy. Like sometimes it literally is like deceptively easy. There'll be an object you're looking for and it's just like lying out on a table and it's like, Oh, well there it is. Got it. Um, but yeah. like there were definitely, it, I, yeah, again, probably me, but just like really hated even the slightest bit of, of, of getting stuck in this. And all that means is like, this is not a, like, I am a person who enjoys being challenged, but not like this apparently. Um, so it's, yeah. it's, it's such a chill world and a chill game that frustration feels like it's hitting the narrative. Like, like any feeling of frustration feels so wrong in this game because the world feels like it's supposed to be calming and lovely. And, you know, it's like someone cussing on the great British bake off. Like it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I've been, uh, I I've been playing, um, I, you know, now that I've had a little bit of time, I've been, I finally picked up hollow Knight, which, uh, also, I think the game, the name of the game that we covered for this week is a better name for Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I am dead. Uh, and I have been at times very frustrated with it because it's been a very, very challenging. But that's the point of the game, right? It's like supposed to be difficult and you're kind of signing up for that. And so these frustrations of dying a lot and having to start over a really like challenge, like that's what you signed up for. This game is so charming and so chill that you're right, Laura. Any element of like ugh, frustration, you're just like this. That's not what I want in this game. Like I want to just spend time on this world and discover things and 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 enjoy the the good writing and the charming narr- narrative. And instead, I was like, I just need to find. I guess I'll just it's, power through because it's like if a short hike had a to do list. I mean, it kind of does, but like you, you know, I feel like the the big thing is just there's no there's no like release valve. You know, there's no uh, right. like if it had even just been a matter of like there are six items belonging to this ghost in this area, find five of them. You know, or something like that. Like right, just right. any any amount of release valve on it would have would have like made this move for me, but. Hmm. I don't know if I have much else to say about it. Um, it's it's a beautiful game. I really wish I liked it better than I did. Um, I did find it really compelling in some really interesting ways. Um, and I still think I would recommend it to people if you you are not 
the sort of person who apparently like me is really allergic to the hidden object or like, uh, you know, yeah, not exactly a pixel hunt like you'd find with the old adventure games, but in that same sort of thing, if, that, if that's the sort of thing that really bothers you, I would maybe check this out on YouTube or something. I don't like pointing people to that, but so here's something that frustrates me about like, I don't want to be like game criticism, but honestly, like this happens. It's a complaint I have with reviews of point and clicks too, is that like game reviewers never talk about ever having, they, they, they can talk about troubles on like an actual, like a Baba's you puzzle. Mm-hmm. They can be like, these were hard, but they never talk about difficulty of like finding a thing they're supposed to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, that just never shows up in reviews. So it, it hasn't showed up in a single review of this yeah. game and, and, and it never shows up in point and clicks. And I, I think it's just like reviewers never want to say like, they don't want that criticism of, well, you weren't smart enough to find the button. So, you yeah. know, these are three people, like if, if all three of us had this reaction, like it's, it's, you will, there will be an object you can't find in this game. And it's so not fun it's to be in that story. situation. And it really kills the, yeah. kills the forward motion of what's otherwise like a, a, mostly narrative focused exploration game. I, I, yeah, I wonder about that. Like I look at, so this is one of those cases where like, I, I look at reviews from other outlets, like not like we're hot shit or anything, but like I look at all the reviews I've read of this game and most of them focus on the positive stuff that we all felt very positive about stuff that we've been talking about. But like, you know, the, they also probably they don't, necessarily play a game that far through and also uh a lot of them have walkthroughs like yeah yeah i i i think honestly like if i had been playing this game with a walkthrough i would have had a much better time i looked for one i couldn't find a the game is still too new i guess um i did find when i when i got truly stuck what i ended up doing was tweeting at the developer uh like with the with the thing with the egg uh, or the nose rather I, i got super super stuck and basically like rage quit it for the night. But before I put it away, I tweeted, I replied to a tweet from the developer and Annapurna and said, Hey, can anybody tell me where this nose is? And uh, I woke up to a reply from, uh, from one of the two developers saying in a bush. And <laughs> that, nice. that got, got me nice. Back. Well, that's cool. That's um, good. You know, and like, but I shouldn't have to do that. Like I shouldn't have to ask the developer. Like, uh, I don't know. You know, it, it is what it is, but, uh, it's making me feel really good about the like kids. I just, added made sure we're kept in our uh point and click coming out this month <laughs> uh, nice uh also to be fair um just for a counterbalance for whatever reason i found the nose in like 30 seconds I so that, also is, find the nose that is not quickly. one that i got but stuck i couldn't on. find the palette and the palette i, I lucked yeah. into finding the finding palette. the next but yeah the palette like, but the, you couldn't get the next clip because both memories are from the dad so you can do nothing until you find that power. Yeah, well, I, in any case, like there, every single object in the game is a blocker in some way because you have to find every single one of them. You know, they give you a list of basically like six and you have to find them. So this game, as we mentioned, is I Am Dead. This is from Annapurna and developer Hollow Ponds, and it is available on the Nintendo Switch and on Steam and the Epic Game Store. Uh, I picked it up on the Epic Game Store because I had uh, a a $10 off coupon sitting in my account there. Hey, uh, check and see if you have one of those. Uh, there, uh, I didn't even know I had it, and uh, apparently I had two of them. So check that out. And I think it's also on other consoles, but I'm not 100%. Do you know if it's on consoles other than the Switch? I don't think so. Oh, okay, well, maybe eventually. Um, so uh, I, again, I'd... It's a guarded recommendation. I really, really, really liked several things about this game and really, really, really disliked one particular one. And uh, I think we have a more or less consensus on that, uh, which is a weird place for us to be in as a show. We don't do this a lot, but there it is. That's what we're, we're coming down on, on I Am Dead. You know, come for the charm and just know that you might get frustrated and just maybe just, you know, if we hadn't played it at a compressed time, maybe we would just put the game down and come back a week later and been fine. So it that might have been fine for you. Too. Yeah, and honestly, if you come back to this and play it when the eventual Steam forum walkthrough or whatever ends up getting published, you know, there'll be this kind of stuff for you where there probably where there wasn't as far as I could tell when I was searching for it. Um, it'll it'll probably be a little bit of a different experience. I, I, again, if I'd played this with a walkthrough ready at hand, I think I would have had a lot better time. 
Um, because it, you know, the parts that I enjoyed would still be there, even with, even if I was basically skipping my way through all of the core puzzle mechanics. Um, anyway, you know, maybe we ended on a little bit of a down note there, but, uh, let's try and turn it around with some, what's making us happy this week. Laura, what's making you happy? Th- or Nate, I'll start with you since we've missed you. What's making you happy this week? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a healthy, beautiful new child. So, mm. you know, that's been making me happy. Um, but I got a couple things. We I've demand out- more photos. I know. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I've been out for a little while, so I'm going to I'm gonna rapid fire a few things. First one, you know, I have two kids now, so I've decided to really lean into being a dad. So, of course... I've start, I started watching a World War II documentary <laughs> uh, that is on Netflix. Uh, it's called something like World War II in Color. Uh, if you're, I, I am like an on again, off again history buff, and uh, this documentary took the time to they, they basically have colorized a ton of footage that was shot in that like from World War II and before and after. And it's just really, really well done, and it's kind of striking to see the the uh all of this stuff in color and it just really um like humanizes it to a degree that you're not used to from you know footage from that time it's restored to a degree that you're like oh shit like this they're like, just this dudes happen today it, yeah these were just people right you know you're used to the like weird old timey everything's like a little sped up or black and white it just doesn't like look as real you know mm-hmm. so uh so if you're at all interested in in that, uh, I, I recommend watching it. What's the name um, again? World War II in Color. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. Yeah, uh, I knew they did the colorized for um, like they will not be forgotten. That's not the title, but they, they did it for World War One as well. So yeah. it was a single movie. So it's interesting that they did a whole series. So it's it's II. nine it's nine episodes, and each episode focuses on a key. Uh, moment within world war ii so battle of the bulge um pearl harbor uh midway stuff like that um and it, it focuses on that time kind of like what led to that why that moment was important uh the battle of london is is a particularly interesting episode uh and it's 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 really really well done and it's all each episode is like 50 minutes so uh and each one is its own thing so you could if you are if you even have a particular interest in World War II uh, and like a, a, and a specific interest, you could go just watch that one episode and be fine. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, two other things I mentioned. So that's one. It, it's Br- narr- it's British narrated. Uh, and so that is one British thing that I've been watching. And it not, I've made no individual effort to watch British stuff. But it is what I've been doing, apparently, because I have two quick shows that I'm going to talk about. One, we've talked about a ton on this podcast. I just never took the time, but I just have to echo all of you like a year ago or two or three years ago, even. I finally watched Fleabag. It's fantastic. You know, so uh, I I, I know I'm super late to the game. So I'll just say, Molly, and I watched it. It's fantastic. Uh, And then the, the current one that you really can't go like three feet on the internet without everyone singing its praises, but I watched Ted Lasso. Oh, me too. And I, I cannot recommend this show enough. Uh, It is, uh, you're going to hear the, the words refreshing a lot when you hear about it. And I always thought that that description, like that never made any sense to me until I watched Ted Lasso. Uh, There's a personal connection like a personal uh, affection for it. Uh, I consider myself an optimist, you know, everything kind of sucks right now, but I still try to find like the, the bright side in, in things. And this show presents optimism in a way that no other show has managed to do. And I just can't recommend it enough. So uh, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, awesome. you really, really should. Yeah. I have not watched it and I definitely sounds like I should. Yeah. I had fun with it too. It's uh, it's quick and, and, uh, and short and it's such a strange show. Did you know that it's, it's a spin out off of some advertisements? No, I did not know that. Yeah. So the, the show began as, I think it was, um, one of the, some NBC sports type network. Like I don't, I don't, don't follow sports. So I don't even really remember which sports network was involved, but like some, some sports channel, was starting to cover or you know, an American sports channel covering uh, or including games from Premier League soccer or football from the UK. 
Um, and their advertisement campaign around this to let people know that this was, was, was happening, uh, was basically the, was basically Ted Lasso. Like they invented the character of Ted Lasso, uh, you know, an American football coach coming over to the UK to coach a, a, a premier league team, uh, was created uh, for these ads. That's so funny. And the, the actor, oh, what's his name again? The actor's name, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Thank you. Jason Sudeikis yeah. uh, liked this character so much uh, that he and, and I don't know his, his collaborators on the show uh, expanded it into an entire TV show, which I think is, is pretty great. That's really funny. That's like, uh, like the, the, Remember when the caveman? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. TV show? Yeah. It's like imagine if the caveman TV show was actually like artistic and <laughs> and and fantastic. And good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're really right. It has just like this incredible like worldview. Like it's it's really it's yeah. really about like what if what if you really really committed hard to making kindness and like making emotional connections with people, being like. Your version of of manliness, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think that optimism is often portrayed as being naive. Like you can't be optimistic and also understand how the world works, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and and I think what this show does a good job of doing is showing that like you can be very aware of how awful things are, and you may have awful things happening, and you can still make the decision to to embrace a positive attitude and 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 focus on being a a force for good yeah and it 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 really helps that like i don't like sports but like it helps that he's set in this sports environment because it's it's a you know putting that sort of um you know the emotional connections and positivity in this sort of like dominated by macho-ness space really like draws attention to how like it's it is a choice and it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, you know, we're, I, I, it's a, it's a good show to watch. Go watch the show. <laughs> yeah. Also <laughs> to be, also to be clear. And I, and this is something I, I noticed while watching it too, because, you know, I, I do enjoy some sports. This is the only of all the sports shows that exist. The actual sport is seen the least oh, yeah. on this show uh, compared to any. There's maybe I bet if you added up the runtime of the entire first season of this show about a sports team, I bet there are three minutes total <laughs> so of, little of sports. the sport of well, the sport happening on screen. I mean, honestly, all you had to do was say. Hey, you should watch Ted Lasso. You'll like it, and it's thirty minutes long. And I would be in at this point. Well, yeah, that's helpful. I'm so short on thirty minute TV. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's helpful. It's an Apple TV show, but of course, you can find it uh, other places. It is funny. It is an Apple show, uh, and one thing that you may notice is I actually didn't notice it was pointed out to me by a friend, but. Uh, Ted Lasso very much has an uh, iPhone. Every and, character uh, is constantly using and, an iPhone or app, iPad. And it's funny. No one ever texts with their phone uh, like perpendicular, uh, parallel to exactly their face. <laughs> like I see, I see. Labels out, folks. Labels out. Yep. Labels yeah, out. It, it is oh, funny no. like that. But yeah, it, it, it being on Apple TV is nice because if you have an Apple device, you pretty much like if you've bought an Apple device within the last uh, year, then you get a year of Apple TV free. So you can, you can get into that and, you know, watch it for free. Yeah. And I'll say that I, I wasn't going to do this as my making it happy, but um, if we're talking 30 minute TV shows on Apple TV, please just go watch Dickinson, everybody. It's so good. I've already watched it twice through. Oh, well, I, I, okay. Thanks for the recommendation. I, I've heard that was good, but I haven't gotten around 30 to it minutes. yet. So. Nice. And it's, it's a comedy. Like there's, it's also, you know, about a poet. And so there's a lot of drama, but it's, it's very funny. Um, everyone was watching the great, like all, my family members watching the great. And I was like, I love the great Dickinson is half an hour. <laughs> we started so the good. great yesterday. Well, I'm going to make this real quick. Cause I, I just wanted to mention what's been making me happy this week is something we've already talked about on this show. I don't need to belabor the point, but blaze continues to be amazing guys. And so we extra. are recording yes. this just after the, uh, the the Baltimore Crabs won the Season 10 championship. And everything went nuts after that. I mean, literal nuts. Um, so 
I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't think I could do a very good job of explaining it. If you want to catch up on Blaseball, um, a good place to start would be, you know, our episode uh, that we did on Blaseball was, a, I think it was at the conclusion of season four. It's been a number of, of weeks and seasons, each season is a week since then. Um, if you really want to know every little detail of what's been going on since, uh, and you should, it's been really cool. Uh, you can go back and read, uh, um, cats, uh, explainers. Um, I think if you, uh, search for baseball explainer, they're probably in the first page of results. Um, but, uh, now's a great time to hop on because we've just reached the end of what's clearly, what was clearly an arc. There was some real, wild stuff that happened. And I cannot wait to see the beginning of the next era of baseball starting with the next week. So, um, baseball continues to make me very, very happy. One God ate another God after making two teams of mostly dead or, uh, enslaved, maybe players fight each other. And then, uh, they said, my boss is coming. So that's where we are. That's what we came off to record. Um, as as a real base as the only real baseball fan on the podcast i just have to remind everyone that this is not that different than real baseball. (laughs) it's different because i care about it It helps yeah it It helps. helps uh same uh laura what's making you happy this week so i have uh been as i now i know i have to watch ted lasso but i'm looking for like 30 minute tv or like you know that 80% TV that you can be like doing chores to and watches it in the background and like just like people are nice to each other. I've I've run out of those, it felt. So I went back and watched some stuff I hadn't watched in a really long time. And one that I was so glad to revisit is a show called Playing House. Um, it is a show that was you know, a sitcom written by two women. And the premise is that uh, Maggie is... Um, like gets divorced because her husband cheats on her and she's like six or seven months pregnant and her best friend moves in with her and they are, is like, we're going to raise this baby together. So end of season one, the baby's born uh, season two, the, you know, the kid is there and it, it proceeds. So it's, that might sound like a very touchy feely drama, but there, there are so many shenanigans on the show. It is definitely a sitcom. It's, it's just like a good hangout show. Um, uh, everybody on it is um, witty and fast talking, but it doesn't feel overly intellectual, like you know anything by Amy Schumer Palladino wants to be. I mean, I like Amy Schumer Palladino, but it feels like there's like fifty thousand references. A running joke on the show is actually that one of the main characters has never like hasn't watched anything, so she keeps making references to like the movie not being actually what it is. Um, so it's. There's a lot of dumb jokes. There's a lot of situational comedy. Um, it's clear that these two women, the, the two women who wrote it and star in it and were showrunners, are putting such specific jokes that are only funny to them in the show, but they like them so much that you think they're funny. <laughs> like there's a whole episode about like trying to break into a Kenny Loggins concert. <laughs> nice. And this show was like three years old. Like Kenny Loggins was like, <laughs> was like who they wanted on their show. <laughs> and that's who they got um uh you're you're going to like recognize all of the side characters in the world too um like uh zach uh the gangly guy from silicon valley um what's his name zach him that guy guy. he he plays he plays a brother who's like always going on like weird yoga retreats and um you know interested in reading moby dick to the baby it's it's that kind of great nonsense um I feel like we're all kind of, we've all watched our Shits Creek. If we liked Parks and Rec, we've watched it. Like we're kind of running low. And so you probably haven't watched Playing House. It's worth putting up the like $9 if it's not available on the streaming service of your choice. Cause you're going to watch those episodes more than once. Nice. Never heard of it. Sounds great. Always good to have more, uh, more comedy TV to add to the list. So listeners, 
Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or on the podcast platform of your choice. And we haven't mentioned this in a while, but this would be a great time, if you don't mind, to leave us a review if your podcast platform of choice allows for such. Uh, So uh, those really help us with the visibility of the show. Or, of course, just tell a friend about the show. It's really great to hear that somebody, you know, comes to the show and tells us, hey, yeah, my, my friend told me about this show, or I saw somebody tweeting about the show, or whatever else it is, um, you're the number one way that the show grows. And uh, so uh, please, uh, if you have a sec, leave us one of those reviews, tell a friend, do all those sorts of things. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon. We are at uh, www.patreon.com slash the short game. And if you support us at even just a dollar a month, you get immediate access to our members-only Discord, which is a great place to chit-chat with us about the games that you're playing, that we're playing. Uh, We are uh, continuing to talk about the the IF Comp games that we're preparing to cover there, and uh, we're going to be covering a lot of other non-comp stuff as well through the rest of the year, so trying to wrap up 2020 strong. Um, So if you uh, join us there, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at ReaganK, that's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And listeners, once again, thank you so much for listening to The Short Game.